Blog Talk Radio.
that are helping us uh, with this COVID-19. Please, when you're out there and you see somebody, please be wearing your mask. Um, please uh, touch elbows, just shake hello. We don't want to lose any, anybody, uh, any of our great listeners. Uh, we appreciate everything that you do for us. Tonight's program is dedicated to Jane Theodore Snyder. Uh, everybody should hear, know the name Duke Snyder, thinking it's baseball, but it's not him. Duke was a man who never uh, looked for uh, any kind of uh, accolades, never looked for uh, any kind of pat on the back. He was a very wor- hard-working man, took in, uh, had five children, took in two foster children, and raised them as his own. Duke uh, sadly passed away, and uh, his uh, services were today. So to the the entire <clears throat> Snyder clan, uh, we send out our very best wishes for uh, healing at this t- this point in time, and we know that he's in a, in a much better place. Well, guys, it's, um, just so everybody knows, we're, we're going to be off next Saturday uh, celebrating Thanksgiving, and uh, oh, yeah, right. know that... Uh, I know that uh, this is a very important time for uh, Ty because he can't wait to tell us about uh, the Terrence Crawford and uh, Kel Brooklyn. Uh, well, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I've, I've always been a big Kel Brook fan. Um, but it went the way I thought it would go. Um, mm-hmm. Kel Brook hadn't fought in welterweight since you know, 20, like 2000, I think it was 16 or 17 when he uh, lost to Earl Spence. And even when he had that fight, he was losing a lot of muscle from having gone up to 160 fighting uh, Gennady Golovkin. So uh, we knew Kel Brook was a little long in the tooth and a little depleted at welterweight. Nonetheless, I thought it was a tremendous performance by Terrence Crawford. Kel Brook was kind of outboxing him, as Kel Brook is known to do. Um, but once Crawford adjusted, he instantly ended the fight. So I think it was a testament to Crawford's processing ability in that fight. It was a short fight, but it was uh, interesting to watch. And nonetheless, and regardless of Kel Brook at this stage of his career, the degradation of skill, I still thought it was a tremendous performance by Crawford. Good. See? Uh, I absolutely agree with Ty. Um, uh, Crawford, he did a tremendous job of adjusting. And what it was, he came out in the orthodox stance. And things weren't working out for him. He was, uh, especially with the counter jab. Crawford, uh, he, he was throwing his jab out. And, and Kel Brook, he, he caught him uh, maybe two times with the counter jab. And then he started doubling up on him. Um, it. It was a, it was a, a high-level chess match for a bit. Uh, Crawford, he, he started, you know, making his adjustments, but then when he switched southpaw, started looking at their feet. And Kel Brook stayed on the inside of his lead foot. His lead foot was always on the inside of Crawford, and he was moving to his right. And, to, to you know, to me, you know, to, to every boxer I teach, that's poison. That's You're moving yourself into a trap when you're dealing with a southpaw like that. You always want to get your foot on the outside, especially especially when the southpaw is try, is on the attack, or if you're trying to attack, you know there are times that you're going to catch yourself on the inside. My suggestion is to get out, get away from the guy, and reset things. But um, when Crush Crawford made a wonderful adjustment, and Kel Brook, 
his chin is he is not there anymore. He is it's not there. I saw Kel Brook take harder shots. To be honest, from Gennady Golovkin, nonetheless. Oh my goodness! I mean, I've seen him, but it was a deceptively hard shot that crossed. It was a, it wasn't a jab as much as a power straight, (laughs) just from a lead stand, and um, and it just, I mean, you you saw the reaction of Kel Brook. It was a good shot, but the reaction of Kel Brook let me know that he, that is, is gone from. It's gone from. And like, like Zito said, it, it wasn't. A, it, it wasn't. It, it had. It had a motion of a jab, but by this time Crawford had turned southpaw, so his power hand was the lead hand, and so even though it moved like a jab, he stepped in as Brooks stepped in with his power hand. He caught Brooks with his power hand, so um, it, it was. It was a sneaky, sneaky, beautiful punch. But like Zito said, um, not that that shot doesn't rock Kell Brook, um, but that shot doesn't stop Kell Brook and discombobulate him uh, in 2015 like it did, you know, in 2020, unfortunately. Sure. Chris? Well, I saw the fight. Um, I think that Kell Brook, uh, uh, when he got hit, I didn't think that was that powerful punch. I must have caught him in an odd position or an odd spot on the head. He went right down, but uh, I know what I noticed about Kelbo. He got a big upper body. He does a lot of yeah. edge pressing. He, he, he's a he, dead uh, dude. Yeah. He's well built, and uh, I I thought he'd be you know a little stronger, uh, but uh, he, he went out pretty easy. That was one of Crawford's mm-hmm. easier fights. Oh, I don't think Crawford got hit by a punch. You know, he mm-hmm. probably got, but. Um, I think Cal Brooks done now. He he yeah. he can't well the way he can't win. At the, he's too big in the upper body. You got to go right, up and fight yeah. the bigger. You got to go to one fifty four. That's a that's a beast he can mm-hmm. fight at. Big glass. He's got big black muscles and uh, he's he got a big upper body. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, it wasn't a particularly uh, exciting yeah. fight. Uh, uh, but like uh, he said, he, he does. Nobody adjusts better than Crawford. Crawford's the best. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Best, the best adjuster uh, to make uh, to make things right. He is very capable. Absolutely. Of it. And uh, that was a difference in the fight. Mm-hmm. It hit him. Must have hit him right in the head because he went. You know, and I thought the rest of the could have possibly. Let it go for a little while. I don't know. Sure. I don't know if it was a quick stop. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit. Kel didn't complain. Kel was cool. Yeah. Let's yeah. move over to uh, um, Tiafino uh, Lopez uh, the week prior. Um, what did you think of that one, Z? Oh, Tank Davis. Tiafino oh, uh, Against Lomachenko, yeah, I've already uh, made my yeah, I made my thoughts clear on on that. He's a Lomachenko. He he didn't do anything for seven rounds, and that's more than half of a fight. So I don't care what he what he did afterward. He lost seven. He was losing seven to nothing going into the eighth round. 
So, I mean, he, he, he didn't knock the Telesimo down any time. He didn't knock him out. So that, I mean, he easily lost the fight. And he, he that you sign a contract, and, I mean, you, you, you I mean, I, 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 I mean, I don't, was was he trying to, like, as Ali pulled the rope of dope? Was he trying to ring a dope him? I don't understand his, his 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 logic there because he, I mean, you have to put, when he did put himself out there, he was really successful. And I could see Lomachenko. And, and it's, it's crazy because I've heard comments that, you know, well, maybe he got, he's older, he can pull the trigger. That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case to me because he worked himself in so many positions. I mean, from the whole fight, he worked himself out of a lot of positions. But even you know, he stood there and he worked himself in his positions. He didn't let his hands go. And to me, that that's just hesitancy as far as Terrafimo's power. I can't say anything else. The the, the young boy, he, he, he chumped him. He chumped him for seven if rounds. If he couldn't have pulled, if he couldn't have pulled the trigger, he wouldn't have been able to pull the trigger to win the rounds he did towards the end of the fight. It's not exactly. that he couldn't pull the trigger. He wouldn't pull the trigger until he felt Tiafimo was in a position where he could step in comfortably without having to worry as much about being clipped. Exactly. And Tiafimo didn't. It wasn't like, I mean, Tira, he, I guess he was waiting for him to tire out. First of all, Tiafimo mm-hmm. is, is young, is young in, in shape. Um, and the second thing is, you have to make a, a fighter tire themselves out. I mean, if you're you're not putting anything on him, you're you, he. I mean, you're just working yourself in a position to not get harmed, and that's not that's not going to win the fight. That's not. I mean, if, I don't. I hate to say it, but you know, that's not effort. That's not. He didn't put forth the effort to win, and so therefore he lost his title. All right. See, or uh, tie. Yeah, we, we, we discussed this fight, but what it really comes down to is Lomachenko ultimately is a pressure fighter. Um, but a lot of the pressure he puts on you is mental. And because of the threat of Lopez's power, he really couldn't establish any kind of pressure to wear Lopez down. So I think when we talk about, since we talked about this, what comes next for both guys? Well, Lomachenko just had surgery on the shoulder. Um, again, not not that's not an excuse as to why he lost. He lost because he would, didn't want to get clipped. Um, but nonetheless, to me, it shows that he is getting a little older and his body's starting to injure more often. We see the same thing happening with Usyk as well and different fighters once they start to get into their early 30s. So that's not uncommon. Uh, the question is, is there won't be a rematch. We know that. Bob Arum, there was no rematch clause in the contract. It's not something Bob Arum or Tiafimo Lopez are looking at. Obviously, if neither has a place to go, um, they potentially could fight each other. But I think Bob Arum is looking at Lopez as a potential breakout star at this point, and he's trying to guide his career in that manner. Um, at the same time, he still has the goods in Lomachenko, so he's not so quick to put him in a position to where he could upset the apple cart with Lopez, being as though Lopez just had the big victory, or at the same time, have Lomachenko coming off of two losses, and all of a sudden he loses a money guy there too. So I think what it comes down to is whether Lomachenko goes to 130, as had been discussed before he fought Lopez, 
or if he takes on uh, another fighter. I'm pretty sure Lomachenko, the kind, you know, obviously the kind of fighter he is, I could see him clamoring for a rematch, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. At the same time, mm-hmm. we don't know what Tiafimo Lopez has out there. He's talking about Devin Haney, but that requires some cross-network promotional things to get worked out. Um, so that could be in a position where he fights his mandatory, which wouldn't be a big moneymaker, but potentially showcase fights for his brand. And, that, you know, that's just how the business aspect of this thing is going, which influences the matchups that we see in the ring. Good. All right, Bob. Time to, I, know, I hear you snoring over there. It's time to get you awake here. We got, we got uh, Usman. We need Usman versus uh, Burns. In February, what what's your thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, that, well, that will be your that, that's UFC 256, so that should be coming up next. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that that'll be their their um, second matchup. The first one was canceled due to Burns getting COVID. So Jorge mm-hmm. Masvidal filled in the first time and lost to Usman, um, and so now they're finally getting it together. Um, and yeah, and so. Uh, good fight coming up. Uh, I'm going. My money's on Usman. Um, the guy is just uh, uh, phenomenal. Um, and then they're already making plans for him. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'm jumping ahead of myself. But, yeah, that one's coming up soon. UFC 256. That'll be after tonight's UFC 255. Some good matchups tonight. Uh, I'm not going to tune in and, and get pay-per-view. There's some uh, really exciting guys on the prelims, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune in for that. So, Good. Right. Uh, hey, hey uh, Bob, um, I, I did just recently read, and I think it's for 256, that they also just signed uh, Tony Ferguson against Charles Oliveira. Yeah, LeBron. they did. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's for 256. And uh, Zito, to let you know, the main event tonight is uh, it's a flyweight match between Devinson Figueroa and, uh, man, I forget the guys, Alex Perez maybe, uh, but it's a competitive matchup, good fight. Good fight. But, uh, Zito, the reason why I mention it is the main event is your girl, the bullet, Valentina Shevchenko, defending her title. Oh, uh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that's, that's Zito's, like, favorite female fighter right now. So, yeah, always she's, she's, give her a shout-out when she's fighting. Yeah, and then and then the, those lightweight guys, those flyweight guys tonight, yeah, you're exactly right. It's against Alex Perez. But that figured out, I mean, as far as light flyweights go, he brings that knockout power like a heavyweight, you know, and, and he's got great right. ground game. So, yeah. I mean, it, it'll be a very exciting night, especially having uh, uh, the two, I think there's another women's flyweight uh, um, working their way up. So, and then. And, yeah. And, uh, uh, Chihuahua uh, getting Kaylee. back. That's right. The one who just lost the uh, orange raid. Yeah. She's fighting uh, Cynthia Cavallo. Cavallo, yeah. And then also. Mm. Uh, and we also uh, got Shogun Rua on that card, too. That's what I'm talking about. See, I'm more excited for the first fight. I, you know what? I might get it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that funny. I mean, there's yeah, a lot I mean, of show gonna rule Paul Craig rematches on that. It's probably, I think that leads the card. Yeah, um, I'm watching the undercard right now. There's a bunch of exciting. I mean, they, they're matching these guys up. Fantastic. I mean. They have to because there's no one in the stands. They're putting on, you know, fantastic fights <laughs> yeah. together, you, you know, and, and they have to sell it on pay-per-view. And, and uh, but, yeah, so they're, they're, they're just really I'm, – I'm really impressed with the matchmaking the UFC is doing right now. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Also tonight on the prelim card, uh, uh, Ty, is that uh, Jacqueline Buckley, Z, you guys know oh, that? Oh, yeah. Has, has he fought? Yeah. Has he done? Yeah. 
Is he the future yeah, so, prelim? I thought. Yeah, uh, no, he, he he's up there. He's he, second to last on on the prelim. Okay, but he's that guy right. that ended it with the kick. Uh, so some he, yeah, uh, his opponent yeah. caught his Muay Thai kick, and he turned around and spun around with one kick and and did a spinning. I think heel kick to the dude's face and knocked him out. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it was. It was a video spinning video. heel kick with one leg in the air. It was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Video. And you know what? The funny thing is, is, is when you're in a gym, a Thai gym, and a guy catches your leg, you know, you, you, every now and then you'll do something like that, right? Or if you miss a kick, then out and do. But right. I, just being honest, it never looks like that. It's no, never, never looks like, like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, and for you the know, most part, most of the I mean, time we, we're falling down and missing the kick. First of all, we're missing the kick, and on top of it, we're land, we're landing on our face. Never, never does that. Right. So. Right. And when uh, you see a guy get his get his kick caught, and he usually um, looks like a switch kick, I guess. The, use the uh, use the other kick. It's yeah. awkward to see him spin. Uh-huh. Yeah, because he caught. You know what? He, he caught. He caught a teeth. Well, it was a it was a front yeah. kick. He caught the front kick, and you uh-huh. know one thing we were always taught is when you catch the kick, man, you you grab it and you turn your hips, so you instantly throw the guy off balance. So you can't do right. what Buckley did. But you know the the the, the guy caught Nasakiye caught the kick, and he was and kind he of, you know Buckley was trying to jerk it. He just held on to it. Buckley was like, all right, here we go. Well, I gave, I gave it was Buckley time to spin his foot though too. He had to change direction because he was yeah he was still, his foot was pointing out um, for you know for a Muay Thai type kick for power, and then he was able to turn it and get on the ball of his foot, enabling to do that acrobatic, unbelievable, amazing mm-hmm. yeah fight of the night. And it was shift. just so, so instinctive. That's what was so perfect. beautiful about it. It was instinctive. Yeah, awesome. So good shows tonight, but then not all that. We got a lot of big fights coming up in the in the future. UFC is packing them full right now, so trying to steal some boxing fans. I reckon. They're not doing a bad <laughs> job. They're doing a good job. <laughs> doing a really good job. Really good job. Dad, what's your thoughts on uh, Chris Weidman versus uh, Uriah Hall on the uh, in February twenty first? Uh, okay, that brings up another great one. Yeah, yeah. So that one. Um, which one is that? UFC seven so, or is that fifty eight? Yeah, I think that that might be fifty. I think it's fifty eight. Uh, but um, I don't have that in front of me. So the anyway, but um, that will be amazing. So they they matched. Uh, they they met up back I think in October of two thousand ten, back when Uriah yeah Hall they did. Was, you know, first coming out of the 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 UFC, and everyone had high hopes for Uriah Hall. And and why didn't him? Uh, I think TKO'd him or knocked him out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he, he TKO'd him. Yep, caught him with yeah. a left hook, dropped <laughs> him, then ground and pounded him. Yeah, yeah. So and Weidman, you know, he was he was a champ for a minute there too. So um, you know, nothing taken away. Chris Weidman's a, a all around good fighter. So again, um, Weidman was uh, also the one that uh, uh, Anderson Silva broke his shin on. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So and then with Uriah Hall. Um, being the one that just retired Anderson Silva, uh, I, I guess Dana's pushing for that. So uh, the Spiders out goes on. You know he'll eventually get to the UFC Hall of Fame, but Dana doesn't want him back at his age and, and not looking that good. So Uriah Hall basically just took out took his one of his heroes out, and uh, so he'll be going against Weidman. And Weidman, uh, you know, is the one that that, that was beat the uh, the Spiders. So 
good matchup. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Uriah Hall can bring back uh, a W out of this one. With you know, they, he says just like when he's going after Anderson that you know it's new training camp. He's a new man. So so we'll see. But I, I think Weidman's a pretty good uh, pretty good fighter too, and, and, and he's I think he's got the ground uh, the advantage on the ground. So we'll see. You know, this fight has a lot, a lot, a lot of implications for both guys. It's big implications for both guys because they're both 36 years old, like 35, 36 now, and they're both sitting right at the bottom part of the top 10. And Wyman yeah. hadn't been competing. Wyman's been getting killed. He's been getting knocked out, but he's been getting knocked out by elite guys. And Uriah right. Hall's a guy who's kind of never quite got there. Every, every time he gets with that elite guy, he gets himself stopped. So uh, at this point, in, as far as this fight goes, man, obviously whoever loses this fight, that's probably it for them as far as a run at the title, right? So this fight for both guys has implications to allow them. They're both coming off wins. Wyman had lost a bunch. He, he just had a win. Uriah Hall just had a win. They're both coming off wins. And so for the guy that wins this fight, they could be looking at one last run at the title for Wyman trying to get back there, for Uriah Hall trying to finally get there. The guy who loses is is, is probably going to spend the rest of his career uh, eventually falling out of the top ten. So it, it, it has those kind of implications on these guys' careers. Yeah, it seems like this Dana, fight. I think you're exactly right. You know, I mean, I think Dana's kind of uh, uh, throwing out the dirty laundry, if you will. He's He's – He's yeah. met, matching up some, some some guys that, you know, he wants to, you know, uh, pardon my French, shit or get off the pot. You know, I want to know if you're, yeah. if you're a top 10 commander because we got a lot of guys in the lower ranks that they haven't moved up yet. Um, I yeah. mean, they just uh, – uh, it'll be a freebie uh, – well, ESPN Plus, I think, Wednesday night fight. I think it'll be one of the uh, oh, okay. uh, fight nights, December fight 19th. Fight night, but yeah. The, yeah, fight night. They're going to uh, – that Kazmat uh, Shemovev or – um, against uh, Leon Edwards, Shemaev yeah. against Edwards, yeah, that's yep. a big and Leon, fight. That's yeah, because Leon's been ducking the top, uh, all three of the top guys turned down, you know, and he's ranked number third. So Dana was going to strip him of his his ranking, and uh, and then put him against uh, uh, Kazmat or Hazmat or whatever his name is, and because uh, Hazmat's like a, a, he he got popped into you know 15th spot. So they're looking to get Kazma oh, up there he? in the rankings. So yeah, they did, they so did he him in the fifteen. Okay. Yeah, so he he made top fifteen. So and Dana's pretty much knows that that guy can pull in some money and some exciting fights. So he's giving him a shot, number rank fifteen against a rank three, because Leon Edwards hasn't taken any fights. He wants to see him. You know, hey, look, you've you turned down the top three contenders. Um, so now it's a it's a you either get stripped of your uh, of your ranking or uh, you got to fight this guy. You know, so again, he's just trying to get the best fighters up in the rankings as fast as possible to keep the pay-per-view going. I think he's doing great. Yep. Hey, Bob, talking about papers and and uh, Dana and pressure. What's the story? Is is Kahib going out? Is he going to retire? Or is he not going to retire? I'm reading now that he's uh, iffy about coming back for 256. Right. Um, so again, his heart. Uh, he wanted to retire, I guess. You know, I mean, we, we all knew he wanted to do uh, 30 and 0, went out at 29 and 0. Um, his father passing, told his mom he was going to retire. Dana was quick to tw- tweet out real quick, like, uh, uh, that, you know, hey, you're still under contract. You're not quitting. So um, yeah. I think the people come back. 
But I think there'll be some negotiations going on, and, and hopefully he'll get to drag this out. You know, um, depending on how much is on his contract, I, I don't know. You know, um, but I know I've I've made those mistakes. I mean, you get you know, we've talked about that in the past on this show. You you young mm-hmm. fighters read through that contract because you're owned. You, you know, you are you are a possession pretty much. So well, the big thing too is is that so you know obviously Dana wants Khabib to come back. If Khabib retires, is really even with the contracts, not much Dana could do about that. But he sure. wants him to come back. He absolutely wants him to come back. And here's the thing. People are like, is Khabib playing with the world? Because for some reason, even though Khabib announced his retirement in the ring, he has not vacated the title, number one. So the Dustin Poirier-Conor McGregor match, everyone was thinking that's going to be for the lightweight title. Well, no, not just yet, because for some reason, the the guy who retired has not vacated it. Then a curious thing happened this week. Curious, curious thing. It was reported and confirmed that Khabib tested for the 47th time with Yasada. Well, if you're retiring, you're not going to keep taking drug tests, right? You're done with right. that. You're, you're, right. Yasada, and it's not like you're like, all right, I got to go take this drug test Saturday at 11. No, Yasada comes and knocks on your door whenever. So he right. did not pull himself from the testing pool. When a fighter retires, Cormier said he was retired. One of the first things he did was pull himself from the testing pool. Do you know what I mean? Right. The first thing they do because of the inconvenience of, of the drug testing. The fact that Khabib did not do that is what really started fueling speculation this week. He was interviewed. Uh, he was doing some coaching or something, something in Russia or, you know, in Pakistan, and he was interviewed by one of the local affiliates. And he said at this point he just has no competitive interest. He enjoys – he said he he doesn't want to be a politician, but he wants to be in a position where he can help people and tend to his farm. So that's what he's talking right now, yet he's still taking drug tests. And I don't know too many farmers who are getting knocks on their door from Yasada. So we'll see what's what's going on. Um, And, you know, obviously with the passing of his his father and a conversation with his mom about retiring – that was really an emotional time. So it'll be interesting as, you know, a few months go by, uh, what happens with he and the lightweight title. Yeah, I would, I would say he waits it out for the big money fight. I mean, everyone wants that big payday. And if Connor can make a, so, you know, now that's, that's new, you know, big news too, that they, uh, they locked that down Poirier and, and McGregor. Um, so that's happened January 23rd for UFC 257. Um, so he's coming back. Um, but again, I still think Gagey's up there. You know what I mean? They've got to go yeah, through Gagey. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then, you know, Khabib. You know, let's 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 see these guys hash it out for the next contender. Let's uh, you know give Khabib, you know, four six months, however much time he needs, and see a super fight yeah. and bring GSP back. You know, um, yeah, something something big money. But uh, you know, Khabib's gonna. Yeah, you're, you got a great point, Ty, because you know if, if you're if you're done, you're done. So maybe yeah. stating that was more for his own uh, peace of mind and his mother. And then, you know, meanwhile, he's kind of keeping those ties with the UFC and stuff to, exactly, to, to wait. Yeah. Out, you know, I think that, um, yeah, it's within his mind because you're talking about coming back against somebody like GSP who's been out. I mean, if, if you're retired, I mean, I know how it goes, you know, you know, you retire, but then you have the urge to come back and everything. But if, when you retire, there's usually a reason why you retire. And 
and and for the most part, comebacks after retirement aren't good. Just the, for the most part, um, that's the well, only thing that kind of worries me about that. The thing, the thing about Khabib, where where it gets a little more complex with him is, first of all, he he's a man of faith, absolutely, and and you know he's the kind of guy that typically, if, you know, if he gives his word, he's pretty much going to keep it. Which is why everybody's like, well, he said he's retired, he's probably retired, right? But here's the thing: he's 29 and 0. The big mark was 30 and 0. Well, his mother did not want him to continue this journey of his MMA career without his father because they were truly in it together. They were, they were synchronous in this, right? So, so that's why his mom wanted him to retire. Uh, at the same time, his father wanted him to go to 30 and O and then retire. Thus the conundrum. So he retired okay. obviously based on a conversation with his mom, but in the back of his mind, he could be like, you know, but dad, dad wanted me to go to for 30 and O. So right. you know that there could be that that kind of you know conflict in his spirit as far as what he wants to do. I do think whatever decision he ultimately makes, I think within this next year, if he comes back, he's going to dedicate himself to that one fight because he'll feel that's that's a mission he has to accomplish for his father. If he chooses if he chooses to stay out, he'll feel that's a mission he has to accomplish for his mother. So it's just a matter. I think really it just comes down to him. I think if his mom says, well, your dad did want you to go for 30 and 0, go for it, then he'll be good. You know what I mean? So right. I, I just think it really comes down to that, that conflict in his spirit. Uh, let's try our uh, – let's, let's uh, see where we got here with our boxing historian, Dr. Chris. Um, early in, um, in um, 2021, uh, there's going to be a uh, Earl Spence – and Terrence Crawford fight. All right. What's your thoughts on that one? You're giving me a tough one. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you bet against Crawford? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how the hell do you bet against Spence? Mm-hmm. I keep the style. You know, Spence has the height, and uh, he fights a different fight. Uh, that's really difficult. I I don't know how I don't know how uh, Crawford can adapt to Spencer's style. I, I think that's going to be the one thing he's not going to be doing as well as he normally does. Yeah, Spence stands straight. He's got a a funny job and a way. He, he he doesn't he doesn't move around the ring like any welterweight I've ever seen. Uh, it's going to be one hell of a fight. That's all I can tell you. Uh, mm-hmm. Crawford, Crawford is just about he's five foot eight, maybe maybe five seven and three quarters. Spence is going to have the height and reach for him, so Spence is going to set the tone of the fight. He's going to come out jabbing. He's not going to come out sluggish. And I want to see what the hell Crawford can do to adapt to that style if he wants to win the fight. So it's going to be interesting. We've never had a. a too talented, too talented people like that fighting. I haven't uh, seen anything just since Ernst fought Leonard, and I wondered how in the hell Leonard was going to get inside of Hearns, but he did it, and a couple of body punches and softened Hearns up, and he, you know he beat him. So I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Crawford doing that to Spence. It looks like Spence could take a pretty good shot, 
And yeah, uh, Billy got hit by the It's going to be an interesting fight. It's, it's both fighters are going to have a difficult time. They, they never met each. They never met a fighter like each other. I mean, like like they're doing now. They never. Spence never fought a guy like Crawford. Crawford never fought a guy like Spence. So it's going to be interesting, and and a great one to watch. Uh-huh. You're all damn close. All right, Z, what's your thoughts? Well, first, let's see uh, how Spence does against Danny Garcia. Uh, uh-huh. Second, yeah, second, um, the, well, so for them to see each other, the duck has to get along with the goose. And that's, that's the problem in boxing. I mean, you, 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 one side is not getting along with the other as far as promotion. Now, big enough money is going to cross-promote. But I was reading an article where Bob Arum was upset about the amount of money that Crawford uh, was drawing. And that and what, what seems a little funny to me is that, I mean, and, and the article was very, very, you know, kind of, it was making a point of, well, that is the promoter's job to promote the fighter. If the fighter is not a draw and everything, that's, you know, I mean, fighters have different personalities, but as I said before, these fighters aren't getting advertisement deals. You're not seeing them more commercials. They're not getting propped up like that. So it's the promoter's job to generate, you know, interest in the fighter. And Bob Arum, you know, in front of Crawford, apparently, was complaining about how he's not a draw. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me, you know, is really calling yourself out. Because uh-huh. promotion, from the word right. promotion, you are supposed to promote interest in your product, the fighter. Right. This guy, I mean, as good as he, he's touted to be, I mean, you tell me, you know, and that's, I just is a little confusing to me. So, okay, all right. Uh, how about uh, a couple di- um, Yeah, yeah, a couple different, a couple different things on on the whole subject of Crawford versus Spence. Uh, to echo what Zito said, first we have to see how Spence does against Danny Garcia. I was confident that Spence would a uh, would was going to beat Danny Garcia. Uh, pretty clear, more clear than he did Sean Porter. Uh, right, you know, after the Sean Porter fight, I thought, you know, if he fights Danny Garcia, he'll beat him pretty cleanly. That was before Spence got TKO by Concrete and Ferrari. So I got to see how he comes back from that accident um, before I, I go ahead and make a proclamation as far as uh, his future in boxing and, you know, against Terrence Crawford, who truly is an elite fighter. Um, the second thing is to to kind of to kind of speak to a little bit to what Zito was talking about. Bob Arum did come out, not necessarily in front of Terrence Crawford, but he did it in the media. So it's in front of Terrence Crawford and the world actually. Um, and he did make those complaints that he's lost money on Crawford, and he could buy uh, he could buy a couple houses or something for the buddy he's losing on Crawford. Yada 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 yada. Crawford came back and said, "Well, if I'm costing you money, then release me." You know, he was, mm-hmm. he, was, he was very upset about those comments and came back mm-hmm. and said that. But then a little later, a couple of days later, he came back and said, you know, I can't be too mad at Bob Arum. He goes, I, you know, I don't know what made him say what he said, but, you know, he goes, I know in his heart he's tried everything to get me these fights. And Bob has tried to get Terrence Crawford these fights. As far as promoting and marketability, you know, he was complaining about Terrence Crawford's marketability. Terrence Crawford's a quiet guy. He's always going to be a quiet guy temperament. 
nonetheless, as far as getting him the fights against the Keith Thurmans and the Errol Spences, he knows that Bob Arum has actually tried. He feels that in his heart. And he feels that they'll work out whatever dispute is between them. With that being said, Terrence Crawford's contract with top rank ends October of 2021. So my thoughts are, no, you will not. If you see, if you see an Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford fight in 2021, it'll be one of two things will have happened. It won't be a cross promotion. It will be that Bob Arum has released Terrence Crawford. And I think Bob Arum's the type who might do that, who might say, you know what, I'm not making money on you. And you could get the big fight for your legacy across the street. So it's in the mutual interest. It's in our mutual interest if I do release you. Or he, you know, he has Terrence Crawford fight, you know, a couple other guys, maybe a Josh Taylor if he beats Ramirez or whomever. He has him fight, a, you know, a couple no hopers against Terrence Crawford, and his contract expires, and then you'll see him if Spence is is healthy and doing what he's supposed to be doing, you'll see that fight potentially in 2022. Um, I, so that's the only way that the only way it's really, I think going to happen in 2021 is if Terrence Crawford's released from his contract and if Spence keeps on winning in oppressive fashion. Um, but that's the issue. I, I doubt seriously. You'll see a cross promotion. Why would PPC do a cross promotion when they know, Hey, you know what? We wait 10, 11, 12 months. Well, we could, we could sign the guy. So we're not going to do a cross. There's no way they'll do a cross promotion when they can just wait him out. Not to mention they could wait him out. And he's just, he's getting older. Errol Spence is just getting healthier. So I don't think there's any rush by the PBC side of the street, the Errol Spence side, the Keith Thurman side, the Adonis Ugas side, Porter side. There's no rush that side, not the fighters, but there's no rush on that promotional network and to work with Terrence Crawford when they know at the worst case scenario, he's out of his contract within the next year. And PBC has all, all the top welterweights outside of Crawford. So they can't afford to do that. All right. But, uh, Ty, you were talking about um, uh, contracts and I see uh, triple G now has, uh, has a contract uh, dispute with Dazen. Um, is that because he's not drawing anything, or is that uh, because they're just tired? You know of what? It's not. It's not so much of a dispute. They're just restructuring a contract, actually. And, and you know, I think primarily the reason why they're doing it is I think Dazen is, is the zone, as it's called, the zone is looking at its overall business model uh, because of the whole Canelo fallout, right? So you know, Canelo is no longer affiliated with Golden Boy, and he's no longer contracted with that as the zone, uh, which was, you know, it was costing them, a, you know, an exorbitant amount of money. Uh, nonetheless, he still has a good relationship with the zone. So, so he's fighting Callum Smith on the zone. So he, he stepped away from the contract, but he's still fighting on the zone. It's just that he's a, he can fight any place he wants now. He's not bound by a network right. saying, you know, Callum Smith is not a good enough opponent. Apparently, Callum Smith's a good enough opponent to put the fight on. It just wasn't a good enough opponent to pay Canelo $40 million to put the fight on. So yeah. that's what happened. So I think what they're doing now is in lieu of that, they're restructuring their contracts. The other thing, too, is, is Gennady Golovkin came to the zone in order to go ahead and get that third fight with Canelo. Now that Canelo's no longer with the zone, there's no, no one can pressure Canelo into that fight. So 
it just makes more sense in both for both parties for that deal to be restructured. Mm-hmm. All right. But yeah, you did mention the uh, Canelo and and Callum Smith. That that's uh, they've agreed to fight uh, December twentieth. Um, mm-hmm. Given the given your your last dissertation there, uh, what's your thoughts on the fight? Tough fight, tough fight, tough tough fight. Uh, last fight that Callum Smith had was against a guy named John Ryder, uh, UK level guy, and John Ryder should have gotten a decision. And so, based on you know boxing, just like any combat sport, so what have you done for me lately? Based on that performance, a lot of people are like, well, you know, Callum Smith, but you know, you, you don't get up for a John Ryder the way you do a Canelo Alvarez. So, you know, I think he's going to see you know Callum Smith at his best, and uh, you know, Callum Smith's a big 168er. I mean, he's a big dude. He's like six three, six four. He's a big, long dude who is capable from fighting uh, from the outside, but he likes the pressure and body punch and bring the fight to you. Um, it's going to be a difficult fight. I, I could see Canelo winning, um, but it's you know he's going to have some trouble in, in phases. His biggest asset in that fight is that. Honestly, is that Callum Smith tends not to fight as long as he should, and that will give Canelo opportunities. But Callum Smith's the guy who could push Canelo when Canelo doesn't want to be pushed. We know Canelo, he fights in spurts. You know what I mean? Callum Smith's the guy who, who can keep him not spurting as much as he wants to, or having to spurt more than he wants to. So it could be a I, I predict a difficult fight, but you got to lean towards Canelo. Hmm. See. Um, I agree with everything Ty said. Callum Smith is—he's long, he's tough, and he likes to fight. And that last part's going to get—I I see him—I see him being stopped with, with something to the body. Something kind of like, like with his brother, kind of like with his brother fought Canelo. I do that exactly at one fifty-four, exactly. and he nice and long. Because, and, and next thing you know, boom. And I, and I and I see that just because one thing is, Callum Smith's going to probably win some of the early rounds, but we we talk about Crawford adjusting. Canelo's pretty darn good at adjusting too. Um, he, what it is is Canelo is a consistent guy. He's a guy who he adjusts a little more discreet to where you know Crawford. He you know you could you could see you know I mean which is which is wonderful, but, you know, they both make discrete adjustments, but Canelo's adjustments are a little a little harder to fit to where he might step in a little more on a guy. You know, he might, you know, try to get, you know, a certain angle on a guy, you know, that works for him. Um, you saw him adjust to give – Very, very Exactly. You, and you saw that in the Amir Khan fight. So, I mean, Canelo is a guy to where – Too bad Amir Khan didn't see it. Well, I hope he didn't see the replay. But I mean, with, with Smith, Canelo, yeah, Canelo, he's um, he, he's he's going to be able to read Smith, and mm-hmm. it, and that's just the thing. He's going to be able to read Smith. Smith is not going to do a whole lot different from what he normally does, which has been very successful for him. So I mean, but with that success, he's going to end up not moving when he should, not. Creating at angles of distance when he should, and you know, try throwing those extra two punches with his feet planted. I mean, those little things get you. And 
You know Especially what else too, Zito? Kind of like Canelo. What else? You know what else too, Zito? Canelo has kind of developed against these taller guys. It's kind of come forward pressure game in moments. And that's, you know, like Zito said, there, you know, like Zito and I both agree that Callum Smith's problem is he doesn't always fight tall. He likes to bring the fight to you. And you bring the fight to Canelo, you tend to get carved up. But the other thing, too, is is Canelo's, like, stalking pressure game. Callum Smith is not a guy who fights extremely great. He's capable, but he's not super great going backwards. So, uh, yeah, you know, like Zito said, I could see him just overextending on a punch and leaving it out there a little too long. And next thing you know, it's just, we're having liver for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and not yeah. only that, I mean – and, and right uh, as far as that pressure game, what it does is, is what Canelo's been doing, he'll pressure you without throwing a whole lot himself. And and that puts more on your tank than than it would on his. It's kind of like a the... less frenetic Mike Tyson and a less <laughs> frenetic Joe Frazier. You know, those guys, like, like what I loved about Tyson and Frazier is it always said this, you know, these guys were pressure fighters who were kind of like counter punchers because they slipped the jab and it destroyed you. You know what I mean? God, it's so much feigning that it, it threw your punch. It, they're feigning and they're coming forward, made you throw your punches out, and they would just split the Head punches. Movement. Yeah. Yeah. Canelo doesn't, he's not as frenetic, but it's kind of similar, you know, pressuring you with your shoulders and feet. And he places his punches so well. I mean, he plays, oh my God, and he read yeah. you, and he places. The, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like Callum Smith, but I, I just, he, he's. I think he's just set up a little wrong for him. Um, I thought, I thought, I thought Caleb Plant would be a more interesting fight, but maybe that's to come. These, these guys at 168 for for, for Canelo, though, it's going to be tough. I mean, this is these guys are 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 good, pretty good, pretty seasoned guys too. Smith, Plant, and Benavidez, those, those are three tough outs at 168. Those are yeah, three, I mean, I mean those, those three guys there. And, like, you know, I, I think Benavidez is probably the most naturally talented. You know, he's the youngest. Uh, but Caleb Smith, style-wise, he's kind of like a, you know, not as slick, not as slick, but he's a mover and he's bigger and stronger than a Billy Joe Sanders, but he's a mover with feet and conditioning like that. Just not as slick, though. And, you know, it's more pop. Yeah, these, these are tough outs. These are tough <laughs> outs for Canelo. These guys are bigger. They're more durable. These are tough outs. Yeah, yeah. And they're young. These guys are all prime. They're, you know, Sergey Kovalev was a, was a monster. But, you know, he had been knocked out a little bit. The book was written on him, and he was towards the tail end of his career. Uh, even though he's about to fight Sullivan Barrera. Um, but, uh, you know, Plant, Benavidez, and, and Smith are all in the prime of their careers. These are big guys in their prime of careers. It's three very difficult uh, fights. Whoever, like, again, fighting Smith, Benavidez, Plant, take one, take them all, because they're all tough fights. It's just different styles. Great. All right, Chris, we got uh, next weekend's a big fight. What's uh, What's your thoughts on the uh... – on the Mike Tyson fight. <laughs> you know what? How do we know who's going to show up? And and is I mean Mike should kill him. Mike 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 is old, yeah, but he should knock uh, what's it called silly. I mean, it wouldn't be a contest if he really wants to win. And if he comes out mean as usually. 
does. But I, I think once somebody taps him in the face, he's going to go back to that old IQ of his and try to kill you. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't see the other guy having a chance if it's for real. If they don't have a side deal, you know. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see. Mike can't turn the. You know, nobody's ever been able to turn the clock backwards. But Mike can sure and hell beat somebody like uh, the light heavyweight there. Uh, right. I'm going to put, put down a scoreboard here. So uh, we'll see who's eating crow next. So I don't, I don't, your, going to be, who do you want on this one? You're giving me an easy pick. You're yeah. an easy pick. If it's legit, if it's legit, it's Tyson all the way. Ninety-nine to one, you know that he's okay. going to knock out. If the other guy is just, uh, I, I don't know what deal they've made. The other guy's got to be crazy. I to, to make that to make that fight. It's simple, but we'll sure. see what happens. You, you know what's going on behind closed doors. What do you think, Bob? Bob. I think he's trying to spell his name backwards. He's trying to say his name backwards. That's why we're here. Yeah, it's a, it's a palindrome that gets me confused. Sorry. So um, I was uh, I, I I don't understand the weight difference. I'm a bit confused um, because you know is Tyson cutting down? I don't remember. Um, um, shoot, who's he fighting? Uh, uh, Roy Jones. And they're fighting. Yeah, Roy Jones. Yeah. So they're going to both fight heavyweight. Jones Jr. wasn't a heavyweight back in the day, was he? No. I mean, but Roy Jones, I mean, he's got the speed. He should have the speed and the technique to beat Tyson. But, again, like like Dr. Chris said, I mean, who's going to show up? I mean, is Tyson the monster going to show up and try to take his head off? He gets in tight and does his little Tyson hop hopping with the uppercut left hook. You know what I mean? Somebody's going down. That's just what – that's just what Tyson does, you know. But, you know, um, you know uh, I was talking off air before you guys got on. You know, I picked up a boxing gig out here, teaching a little of that and stuff, and kickboxing. And, and people get confused; they, they don't understand that there's footwork involved. And Tyson would never oh, break right. down stance. He would he would just hop in and, and and still be able to bring that power and that uh, that three punch combo. I think it's hook, uppercut, hook. You know, and and. Uh, um, yeah, he would just he would just bring that. Now Roy Jones Jr. I mean, I, I like him a lot. He's a great fighter, but again, I don't think he's got the, the necessarily the power to knock Tyson out. So if he stays away and dances around, they do an exhibition, great. But if Tyson comes in angry and trying to chew on an ear or two, you know what I mean? Then that's a, that's a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's your choice? I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go Roy Jones Jr. Whoa! I think Tyson gasses out, tries to throw okay. some leather, okay. and 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 Jones, you know, I I gotta go for you know he's probably underdog and everything, but you know I, I I just hope Tyson. I mean they they've shown a lot of his stuff and he looks in great shape, but you know they only show like 15, 16 second clips. You know I want I want to see I want to I want to see that 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 intensity for three minute round, you know, right. or two minute, you know, or yeah. So I don't know if it goes. The longer it goes, I I say I say Roy Jones Jr. Okay, Z. My prediction: a sloppy affair. <laughs> I, 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 
I mean, I, I mean, really, even if Tyson comes in mad, he's, I mean, a mad Tyson is not a technically sound Tyson. <laughs> so, I mean, you have a, I mean, Tyson does, I mean, he's he's a different guy from than, than he was in the ring to me. He's not the guy that's going to go in there and, and want to eat babies. He's a guy that's going to want to go in there and he's going to want to do his job and he wanna, wants to look good. But ultimately, that's not the guy that we, the, the last Tyson we've seen was on the floor. I mean, Tyson's not a guy who's, who's, who's he's not there anymore. He wasn't there to, to, at the tail end of his career. So now, I mean, if I mean, if you see anything, it'll be. I mean, if you see anything from Tyson, then I have two words after that: adrenaline dump. After the adrenaline dump, what are you gonna have? He's gonna be more tired than ever. Roy Jones is a little fresher from the game, um, but to be honest, I don't see him really putting himself out there to harm Tyson early on. So really, all I see is Tyson maybe chasing, throwing a little bit, getting a little frustrated, throwing wild, then getting tired early, and really peppering him up a little bit, but never putting himself out there to do anything. Uh, so really, I mean, it, it could be a draw. <laughs> I mean, I predict almost a draw just because either guy has an avenue to win if the other if they had anything to you know left of what they were. But to me, neither guy has, you know, neither guy has an avenue to win. And when neither guy has an avenue to win, then they're both in the same right. lane. That's okay. a draw. All right. My prediction? Mm-hmm. We all lose. We all lose. That's my prediction. We all lose. Nobody wins. Except for this conversation, no one will win. Number one, uh, you know, just to break down the fighters, Tyson hasn't fought in what over at, at least you know, I want to say decades, but at least over a decade. Roy Jones has fought more recent. Roy Jones could do. I think it's an eight round fight. Roy Jones could do eight rounds. He, I mean, it's been like three years since he fought, but I have no doubt that it's Roy Jones in shape can do eight rounds because he just did ten and twelve. You know what I mean? Uh, recently, mm-hmm. Tyson cannot do eight rounds right now. Not the way he fights. He, he, he struggled with eight rounds in his prime because he fights so frenetic. His style requires so much energy. Roy Jones, just from a stylistic standpoint, if they were in their prime, Roy Jones' style requires less energy than Tyson. Tyson's heavily muscled, and his style requires a lot of energy. He's always going to gas before Roy. But then there's some caveats, right? It's only an eight-round fight. I don't know if rounds are three minutes or two minutes. Last I heard, they were going to be two minutes. And here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. They have judges for the fight, no official winner. With that being said, my prediction stands true. We all lose. Wow. Because it's going to be a sloppy affair, just like Cheeto said. So I don't even think anyone is – like, supposedly, you know, the commission says they're not supposed to try to take each other heads off. That's what the commission said. The commission said it's a friendly exhibition. Um, you know, Roy and Mike are, have been talking something else, but of course mm-hmm. they're supposed to talk something else. They want to fall to buy it. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll get in the ring, they'll move around, they'll have some fun, uh, and you know that that'll be about it. That's what I kind of think is going to happen. I, I don't think mm-hmm. any guy is going to be trying to kill the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, guys, we're at the uh, we're at the end of our hour here. And, um, I want to uh, wish uh, each and every one of you a uh, very uh, happy Thanksgiving, and hope you have a a great time with your family this uh, this holiday season. And um, we'll be back in two weeks. Well, Justin. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. Chris, thanks a million for everything. Always appreciate your being uh, being here with us and, and uh, coming up with the with the correct answers. Uh, Bob, fantastic job again uh, tonight as uh, as always. Um, please uh, have a, have a great time with uh, you and your wife and uh, your family there in the West Coast and uh, enjoy the heat this time. Oh yeah, Thanksgiving's tough. You know what I mean? It's going to be like sixty, sixty to eighty degrees. All right, guys, happy Thanksgiving! Wow. So, much. God bless <laughs> wow, you. to the Northeast. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, you want to lead us out? I sure do. Wonderful show, wonderful show. I want to thank Bob, Doctor Chris, Ty, you, Butch. These shows are definitely a memory of Bob and Coach Bell. And if anyone wants to hear any fighting words, please do call. Great. Ty? The gang back together again. Bob is our co-pilot. Coach Mel's watching over us. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving and a great week. Okay, thank you. Torch, you there? Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to have dinner with my wife. My uh, my uh, grandchildren are all going down Chickatig. And uh, uh, I'm trying to keep... Uh, you know, crowd where no no crowds. You know, that would be six or seven of us. So we're just yeah. gonna have a quiet Thanksgiving. Uh nice. something I'm not it. used to really. But right. I'm looking forward. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you guys. Tell Lane we said I'll take care, Doctor Chris. At least Why now? I wanna thank I wanna thank everybody coming on and and I wanna thank uh, all our listeners. Uh this is truly a great uh chance for all of us to have a, a great time on Saturday night and we appreciate it and we appreciate your listening I, li- I appreciate each and every one of uh, our staff, they uh, do a fantastic job in getting these shows together for us uh, ladies and gentlemen these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces the men and women of the fire services and especially the ladies and gentlemen out there on the first line of defense against COVID-19 please when you're out uh, it, at this holiday spirit uh, time, uh, please wear your mask. Um, make sure that uh, you uh, stay your your feet We need each and every one of you out there. So um, these programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty: Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Bajor, Patrolman Jeffrey Gazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Hendler, County Police. Patrolman on off of Christmas, BD. Chief Al Hogan, along with Chief Police Department, Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA, Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Hot Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kyloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. 
This is Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Arthur Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, FDLE Special Inspector Benigo Laccio, Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Valley, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Kissimmee Police Officer Matt Baxter, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Police Department, um, so Philadelphia Fire Department, uh, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, uh, Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKesson, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, my brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 out there, uh, sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Till the time of the roads raise up to meet you, may the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on the fields and sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and please have a great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving.
dispatched in 1999. County dispatched in 1999. All units be advised, 1999's response to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. Thank <laughs> you.